0: hey everybody good morning we're filming today in my backyard because due to my wife's amazing green thumb blended together with her incredible artistic flair we have one of the coolest garden backyards settings in Boulder County once all the flowers bloom you can't see behind me yet but when the flowers bloom in a couple weeks combined with a variety of chirping birds you're gonna hear one uh, that hang out here our yard transform into an amazing visual and auditory paradise andrew and i love to sit out here in the morning with our new rescue pup fuego Uh, i was hoping maybe he'd be here but um, you'll get to meet him in a little bit we got him a couple weeks ago he's incredible there's something about a beautiful garden that is so soothing to the soul and today as we begin uh, as we continue in our beginning series uh, we're going to try and capture a little bit of paradise found in the first garden ever created in hebrew the name of this first garden is pronounced hagan eden which translate into english as the garden of eden in genesis 2 in that creation account god has just formed man out of the ground and in genesis 2 8 it says now the lord god had planted a garden in the east in eden and there he put the man he had formed i love that this story tells us that God is the one that planted this garden. Because as you were about to discover, this is a very special, magical garden, unlike any other garden that will ever be created by mankind from this point forward in this story. Our backyard garden is pretty special. It's a pretty special sacred space. I like to think it's even a little magical, but it pales in comparison to Gun Aden. The Denver Botanic Garden is a, is a pretty special place, uh, but it pales in comparison as well. It doesn't matter which garden you can think of, they all pale in comparison to our first garden, Gan Eden. Why? Because this garden is handcrafted by God himself. Hang on to your cherry tree because it's sometimes called Gan Elohim. In several places in your Bible, which means God's Garden, and to say that there's no other God on earth like this is a gross understatement. And what I'd like to do right now is I want to show you just how special and how unique this garden really is by making some observations about God Eden, the Garden of Eden, that maybe you've never heard before. First of all, we're told in Genesis 3:8 that God actually took walks. God actually took walks around in this garden. What? I mean have you ever stopped to think about that? God stro- scrolled around in the Garden of Aden, in the Garden of Eden, and if indeed this is true, which I firmly believe it is, this is an incarnate form of God because God is non-corporeal, which means He doesn't have a body to walk around with. God is Spirit. He's invisible but not in this special garden. And so this means that the person walking around in that garden is Yeshua, it's Jesus. Because whenever you read a story in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, about God appearing in the form of a man, that person is Jesus. This is what we call a Christophany, an earthly visitation of Messiah Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And this won't be the only time that we see a Christophany in the Tanakh. Jesus ate a meal with Abraham. He wrestled with Jacob. He told Joshua to march around the walls of Jericho seven times, along with a few other Christophanies as well. But the important thing to understand is that all of these other visitations in the Bible are different from what's taken place in the Garden of Eden because God regularly hung out in this garden. Notice how walking around in the garden doesn't surprise Adam and Eve one bit, not even, not even one bit. They don't even say, who the heck are you? Hey, it's been a long time since we've seen you. God walking around in the garden seems to be normative behavior, almost like he lives there in human form. Don't ever think of God Aidan as just one of the many beautiful gardens in the world, you have to think of it as a unique slice of heaven on earth, a place where God regularly hung out, maybe even daily. And in this magical place where God hung out regularly, nothing ever died. Fruit and vegetables grew effortlessly. The animal kingdom had absolutely no fear of man because no one was killing them or eating them. And Adam and Eve had absolutely no inhibitions whatsoever. We're told in Genesis 2.25 that Adam and Eve had 24-7 naked time together and felt absolutely no shame or guilt about it. Gan Eden is a special place of innocence. Like no other place on the planet, a holy place where God himself regularly hung out. Can you imagine what life would have been like if you lived in that garden where Jesus hung out, where everything in that garden lived in perfect harmony with God, with others, and with the rest of creation, a place free from the stresses of life that we all face daily outside of that garden, no COVID-19 or any other disease, no racism of, of any kind whatsoever, no fear, no anxiety, no sickness or sorrow or even death. And what would you call a place like this? How about paradise? Did you know that the word paradise is is used three times? It shows up three times in the Bible. And all three times it's used to describe um, heaven. And it's not a Hebrew or Greek word. Paradise is a word that's borrowed from the ancient Persian language and then it's modified into Greek. And when uh, it was used almost exclusively in literature to describe, are you ready? A garden. A garden. The first place we find the the word paradise used in the Bible is Luke chapter 23 verse 43 when Jesus is being crucified between two thieves and one of those thieves expresses faith in Jesus and so Jesus says to him surely today you will be with me where in paradise? In a garden? Surely today you will be with me in a garden. Second time this word is used is in 2 Corinthians 12.4 when Rabbi Saul, the apostle Paul, says that he was once taken up into paradise, meaning heaven, right, where he heard unspeakable things. Really? He was taken up into heaven into a garden setting? And the third time this word is used, it's in Revelation 2.7, when speaking about the end of the age, the end of God's story, it says, to the one who's victorious, to the one who overcomes, I will give them the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, the garden of God. Oh really? Doesn't Genesis 324 tell us that the tree of life is still in Gon Aden, in the Garden of Eden, where it's being guarded by a celestial being? Here's what it says, it says, after God drove the man out of the garden, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So the tree of life is in the garden of Eden. Or is it up there in heaven? Is it in the garden of Eden down here? Or is it up there in heaven? And I believe the answer to this question is yes. Because the Garden of Eden is a physical manifestation or a physical reflection of what takes place in heaven. It was a place where God lived in a physical form with Adam and Eve. Now remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No one needed to pray that prayer in Gan Aden, in the Garden of Eden because the Garden of Eden was the kingdom of God on earth. At least it was up until the time that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Let me ask you a question. What's the distance between heaven, heaven, and earth? Okay, we often say that we have to travel up to reach heaven but how far would you need to travel in order to reach it? This uh, This week I put the location uh, heaven into my google maps and uh, to see if i could come up with just how far heaven is from me but all i got were a bunch of businesses that had the name heaven in them particularly a chinese restaurant in the city of broomfield siri can't find heaven because it doesn't have a physical address (laughs) it's not up there anywhere. Heaven exists in an entirely separate spiritual realm from our physical world. Many people use the phrase thin spaces, like thin spaces, to describe a moment in time when the distance between the heavenly spiritual realm and the earthly realm, the physical earthly realm, become very narrow. It's a moment in time when God's presence can be sensed in a really powerful way when miracles manifest when people come to faith many people have visited cornerstone and a lot of them uh, this is when we were able to be in our facility of course and many people often mention that they when they were there in our worship service they experienced God in a really profound way that's a thin space Happens all the time at Cornerstone. We all experience it. A moment in time when the distance between heaven and earth becomes very narrow. Here's another question. What's the distance between heaven and the Garden of Eden? I believe the answer to that question is zero. There is no distance between them. In the Garden of Eden, somehow the spiritual and the physical are united perfectly together so that what is taking place in heaven is also taking place in the Garden of Eden it was a perfect fusion it was paradise on earth but it was short-lived Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they're banished from this special garden into the world where the distance between heaven and earth becomes great But it's important to remember that the Garden of Eden is still the perfect physical manifestation of heaven. It's still located in the exact location where God planted it. It's just being guarded. It's being, it's like, it's like stealth. It's being hidden by a cherubim in a way that we can't find it today. You're never gonna find it, at least not until the story ends. Now, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s which hosted one of the greatest cultural revolutions of all time, at least as far back as I can remember. Hopefully we're in an even greater cultural revolution right now with everything that's going on with the protests. Only time is going to tell if that's going to stick, if it's really going to have an impact uh, on our culture. But back in the 60s there were a lot of things going on that were creating lots of tension and discouragement, especially in young people like myself, particularly the Vietnam War was taking place where thousands of young men and women, friends of mine, were losing their lives over what seemed like nothing but a politically driven war. And so we hippies, as we were called back then, started a culture revolution that was focused on the message of radical love and peace. The message was reflected in the way that we dressed, bell bottoms and beads and long hair, and the way we communicated far out and groovy, and especially in the way that we made music. It was a crazy time to be alive, just like it is right now. In 1969, there was an incredible music festival it took place in a small farm called Woodstock. The town was called Woodstock and it lasted three days. People camped out there for all three days. It rained and it poured. It attracted a half a million people, mostly hippies, along with some of the most amazing now legendary bands of all time. Groups like Jimi Hendrix, The Who, The Band, Janis Joplin, Creedence Clearwater, Jefferson Airplane, Santana, Joe Cocker, Joe Cocker, just to name a, a few. One new band made up of seasoned musicians called Crosby, Stills & Nash, CSN, some of you know it as, made their only second performance debut, and they were a huge hit. Eventually, they went on to cover a song written by Joni Mitchell called Woodstock, Woodstock, named after this monumental historical event. Joni's song tells the tale of the turmoil and the confusion and lostness of the 60s. And it has a call at the end of each chorus that we should all get ourselves back to the garden. Back to the garden? Really? What garden is she talking about? Did Joni Mitchell know something about the Garden of Eden? About its magical, physical reflection of heaven on earth? I believe, to some degree, she did. And there are three verses in this song. Let me just... frame them a little bit for you. The first verse talks about a person who's on a road and they meet a child of God who's on this journey to Woodstock, a child of God. <laughs> the second verse, the person asks the child God, if can I join the journey with you? And she says, maybe it's the time of year, maybe it's the time of man, and she wants to join this journey because she just doesn't know who she is. And then on the third verse, we hear that about a half a million people in Woodstock are, are singing and celebrating almost like a heavenly chorus. And then we hear messianic language of warplanes morphing into butterflies. Doesn't that sound like uh, the, the, the vision of Revelation and of the, of the prophets who talked about beating our swords into plowshares? And it ends with an appeal to, set, to be set free from Satan's grip. How? By getting ourselves back to the garden. It's an amazing song. And I want to sing it to you. And those of you who are former hippies or if you're young and you just love cool music because this Crosby, Stills, and Nash, it doesn't get better than that, you can sing it with me. Okay? So here we go. See if we can pull this off. I was walking along the road, and I asked him, tell me where are you going? This he told me. Said I'm going down to Yaskers Farm, gonna join in a rock and roll band. Gonna get back to the land, set my soul free. We are stardust, we are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon And we've got to get ourselves Back to the garden Well, can I roam beside you? I have come to lose the smile, And I feel myself a cog in something turning Maybe it's a time of year, yes, and maybe it's a time of man. And I don't know who I am, but life is for learning. Sing it. We are stardust, we are golden, we are billion year old carbon, and we got to get ourselves back to the garden. By the time we got to Woodstock we were half a million strong And everywhere there was song and a celebration And I dreamed I saw the bomber death planes riding shotgun in the sky Turning into butterflies above the nations We are stardust, we are golden, we are caught in the devil's bargain. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. We are stardust, we are golden, we are caught in the devil's bargain. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Isn't that a cool song? Let me get this back. So listen to this closely, all right? Particularly if you don't know what I am about to say. Because once Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they were banished from the garden, the rest of the story, you just want a, a major theme for the rest of the story, it's about the journey to get ourselves back to the garden. We were booted out, and the rest of the story is getting back. It's a story of redemption and restoration. Things like COVID-19 and racism and cancer and abuse and power imbalance and inequality and struggle and wars and pain and fear and anxiety and even death itself are not things that God designed for us. They are things that entered our world once our first parents were banished from the garden. Have you ever noticed? I don't know. I, I, like I'm, I'm am I'm a, like I like. I should have been an anthropologist. I love studying people and behavior. But have you noticed how difficult it is in our COVID nineteen world to connect with people? We're not made to wear masks. We're not made to social, social distance ourselves from each other. We're not made by God to be suspicious of others. I go on walks or runs, even just strolling down the aisle at a grocery store and people will move out of my way. You know what I'm talking about, because you're exper- maybe you're getting out of people's way, right? And t- they do it to create some distance between themselves and me. Most won't even look me in the eye or even say hello. It's weird. We're not made by God to live this way. We're made by God for intimate relationships and community, the kind of intimate relationships and community that existed in the Garden of Eden. But we're pretty far away from that garden today. We're not naked and unashamed. We're all covered up and full of fear and suspicion and guilt, even before COVID-19. These things are not from God. They're from the ancient enemy of intimate relationships and community—the same ancient enemy that took away, uh, took uh, Adam away, Adam and Eve away from the garden. The devil that Joni Mitchell sang about in her song in Woodstock. It's going to be a challenge for us to get a time when we don't need mass anymore, when we don't need social distancing, when we feel safe enough to worship together under one roof. It's going to be a challenge to to get to a time when no one has to experience the pain and suffering that follows the unequal bigoted power structures of racism or sexism or every other hateful ism that exists in this world. We all need to do our part to eradicate this in our own hearts. It starts with us. And even though I can't promise Uh, that there won't be any more pandemics or that bigotry in our world will cease. What I can promise are the words in Revelation 21, when the gardens of heaven and earth merge together into one beautiful, listen to this, garden city. No, it's not New Jersey. It's New Jerusalem. We go from a garden like this to a beautiful garden city. Let me read it to you in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell. With them they will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. You see it's about intimacy, radical relationships and community. And then it says there will be no more death and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. And listen to this, because in the next chapter, this this goes on to describe New Jerusalem. This is Revelation 22, 1 through 3. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood what? The tree of life. What? And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. We have We have messed each other up. And we're gonna continue to mess each other up. And I love that when we get to this place in the story, after the main story ends, right? It's the end, but it's really just a new beginning. There's gonna be the tree of life and we're gonna take the leaves and we're gonna rub it on each other and we're all gonna experience healing. It all goes away. And it says the throne of God, and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him will serve him the word worship and serve are the same word do you know what the jewish people what the jewish world calls this future heavenly paradise you know what they call it gone eden the garden of eden the jewish world has been looking since the beginning of time to get back to the garden let's all get ourselves back to the garden join me in prayer will you and let me before i I pray let me remind you of the words in revelation 27 that said to the one who overcomes to the one who's victorious i will give that person the right to eat from the tree of life which means you will be there if you overcome you know how you overcome you overcome by faith faith in what jesus did to take away our sins to the one who is victorious, to the one who overcomes, I will give that person the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, the garden of God. Father, I just pray for anyone out listening to this message today, that if they don't know that they're going to be in this amazing garden, at the end or the new beginning of the story that right now, right here, watching this video presentation, God, you would fall on them with deep conviction to just say yes in their heart, to accept this free gift that you offer, the gift of faith, the gift of faith, which is your free ticket to enter New Jerusalem right now and forevermore. And so, Lord, um, we also thank you that you created this earthly physical garden as a picture for us to see a little bit of taste of heaven. As someday the physical earthly garden is gonna merge with the spiritual heavenly garden and they are gonna become one and it's to be called New Jerusalem, the garden city. We can't wait, we can't wait for now. Give us the strength to endure the hardships of this world, to be a bright light to those who are living in darkness, Lord, and to help change our culture, to be culture changers, which is what you call us to be. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.